You know, the first verse of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God. As the choir was singing about Jesus coming back to rule on earth, let me give you the next to the last, the next to the last verse in the Bible. The first verse, in the beginning, God. The next to the last verse, Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. It all begins with God, folks, and it's all going to end with the living God. I want you to know God has the final word. No man has the final word. God has the final word. There are three verses I want you to look at this morning in this order. John 17, 3, Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, and then we're going to look at Psalm 46, 10. So if you want to go ahead and turn to John 17, 3, just one verse, and then Jeremiah 9, and then Psalm 46. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times on television, they'll advertise things and say, a money-back guarantee. You ever heard that before? Well, I want to tell you about this message. It has a money-back guarantee. If you do what God's Word says in these three verses, you can live 2012 in confident assurance. I want you to think about those words. Living 2012 in confident assurance. As we allow the Word of God not just to be in our heads, but as we allow the Word of God to be in our hearts. Now, the question I would ask you, are you prepared for 2012? Are you prepared? We got 357 days. Now, of course, you know and I know we only live them one day at a time. You don't live a week at a time. You live a day at a time. But as of today, we have 357 days. Let me ask you, do you have any plans for 2012? Do you have any goals that you've kind of personally set for 2012? Well, as you face 2012, you've got to remember this. Life is full of many surprises. Have you ever noticed that this life's just full of things that are unexpected and are unplanned for? I mean, life is full of many surprises in every one of our life. So, so how do you prepare for the unexpected? How do you prepare for the unplanned? How do you prepare when all of a sudden there's a big surprise, good or bad, that comes into your life? You know what would be wonderful? If we would know what every day is going to bring forth. It would be great if I could say, well, on day 267 of 2012, this is what's going to happen. But you know what? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less on day 267. So all I know is that life is full of surprises. And we have to be prepared 
for the unplanned and the unexpected. And so therefore, these three verses, I'm telling you, these three verses to me are the key to being prepared for whatever is on your plate. And only God knows what that is in 2012. These verses are the key. This is exactly where I'm going to live. I'm going to live here. I'm not going to waver from it. And then it doesn't matter what's on the plate. And it doesn't matter what surprises life has. You know, as I was thinking of these verses, uh, I I said, it would be nice, Lord, to know the future. But I don't know. I do know Jesus is coming back, and I know we need to be ready. But there are a lot of things I don't know. But I got to thinking about, you know, uh, a little song that, you know, I oftentimes get a song. You understand what I mean? (laughs) You, You know this. Many things about tomorrow I do not understand. But I know about tomorrow that he loves me and holds my hand. I kind of like that. (laughs) There are a lot of things I don't know about tomorrow. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds my hand. Did you know that's biblical? You know the Bible says that he holds the hand of his children. Listen to Isaiah 41.10. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my hand. And I know how to prepare for tomorrow. It says in 41.10, fear not, I am with you. Boy, that's a good word. Be not dismayed, I am your God. Boy, that's a good word. I will strengthen you, thank you, Lord. I will help you, yes, Lord. I will uphold you. With my righteous right hand. Many things about tomorrow I do not understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And tomorrow who holds my hand. It says it again in verse 13. For I the Lord your God will hold your right hand. Saying to you fear not. I will help you. Now you're going to notice in these three verses. The key is on knowing God. That's what they're all about. It's all about knowing God. All right, John 17, verse 3. It's very familiar. If I say to you, what is salvation? What is eternal life? You'd say, well, Brother Fred, salvation and eternal life is the forgiveness of our sins, the presence of Jesus in our lives, And we go to heaven when we die. And you know what? You would be right. But now let me tell you what John 17, 3 says. You see, it's this thing about being prepared. It's all about knowing God. Now, I didn't say knowing about God. But it's all about knowing God. And in John 17, 3, it says, And this is eternal life. I'm listening, Lord. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. Did you know eternal life is knowing the true and the living God? And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true and living God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, eternal life is knowing God. It's knowing Jesus. Then you turn over to Jeremiah chapter 9. 
verses 23 and 24, and it once again talks about knowing God. Man, you, you talk about a verse that absolutely puts life in perspective. It says in verse 23 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. And let not the rich man glory in his wisdom. But he that glories, let him glory in this. He said, now don't glory in your wisdom, your might, or your riches. If you're going to glory, glory in this. That he understands and knows me. He said, if you're going to glory in anything, you glory in the fact that you understand and you know me. He said, because if you know me, you're ready. If you don't know me, I didn't say about him, but if you don't know me, you're not ready. So don't you glory in your wisdom, your might, or your riches. Glory in this, that you understand and know me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, saith the Lord. What is eternal life? We know you, the true God. What am I to trust in, Lord? My wisdom, my might, my no, trust in this that you know me. And understand me, the living God. But then there's another verse. All these verses about knowing God. Psalm 4610. You know what it says? You're very familiar with it. But it's an awesome verse. In Psalm 4610, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Well, that's a mouthful. Eternal life, to know you, the only true God, to know you, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Glory in the fact that you understand and know me, that I am God and I exercise righteousness in the earth. And then he says, I want you to be still. And I want you to know that I am God. So it's my deep, deep conviction that the way we're to live and prepare for the rest of our lives, including 2012, is to have a passionate desire to know God. Not to know about Him, but to know Him. To know His heart. To know Him intimately. To know Him personally. To have such confidence and assurance in the living God that nothing can shake us. Oh yes, we may be troubled, we may go through a valley. We may be broadsided by the unexpected. But you know, we know God. When you know God, then you're ready for whatever comes in your life. And, and, and the tragedy that kind of, the thing that kind of disturbs me is it, just not just knowing about God. But it's really knowing His heart. And having an intimate walk with God Himself. Now, there are three truths that I want to take these three verses. John 17, 3. Now, here's the first truth. How do you get to know God personally? Not about Him. You see, we believe there's one true living God. Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and Jacob. He's the creator of all things, and Him, everything is held together. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe in the one true living God but the question is, 
How do you get to know God personally? John 17, 3 tells us this is eternal life, spiritual life. We were spiritually dead. But now in Christ, we become spiritually alive. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the true and living God. You know, the great thing is this. Jesus came. He died on the cross, as we sing about. And he was raised from the dead so that we could know God, so that we could know him. You see, the Bible says that our sins had separated us from God. That's a tragedy of sin, that it separates us from God. God is holy, holy, as David preached last week. He is holy, and he can have nothing to do with sin. But the tragedy is we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so in order for us to know God and have confidence and assurance in him, Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross in our place, bore our sins in his body on that tree, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, forsaken by God so that we would never have to be forsaken by God. So Jesus came and by dying on the cross and being raised from the dead, he said, now you can know God. You can know God. You can know him personally and intimately because I died for your sins. You see, I love this. You know, the word saved is a great word. Don't don't ever get so used to it, it doesn't touch you. It says, talking about the fact that we're saved and that we can know God personally. It's called eternal life. Romans 10, 9, listen at this. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, I like that. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart God raised him from the dead. We shall be saved. Well, for with the heart, not the head, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Listen, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know how you can know God personally? And this is eternal life. That you might know the God, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. Through personal faith in Jesus Christ. Through repentance of your sin and your faith in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. Now listen to me. And God becomes your father. Do you know the Bible says? He has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. See, you you don't need to just know God as creator. (laughs) Oh, no. You don't just need to know God as the one who spoke this world into being. You know how you need to know God? You need to know God as a loving, caring, involved heavenly father. You know, Bible says in Galatians 3, and we're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you when you get to the place that you say, I can really know God through Jesus, through his death and shed blood, through his resurrection, through the presence 
of Jesus in my life. God is my heavenly Father. And He loves me. And He cares about me. And He's involved in my daily life. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows my thought before I ever think it. Listen, you can know God personally through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If when we were enemies, Romans 5.10, listen to this. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, that means brought back to him by the death of his son, being reconciled will be saved by his life. So you can know God personally through Jesus Christ. Now, Jeremiah, let's turn over there to chapter 9. The first truth is that we can know God personally and intimately through our faith in Jesus Christ. But then we come to this point. You can get to the place where you know. Now, this is very important to each one of you. Because we, de- we, we tend to be self-sufficient. We tend to be independent. I can handle it, Lord. I, if I need you, I'll call you. See, God doesn't want to be a crisis God. He, he doesn't want to be a crisis God. He doesn't want to be the only time you call on him and the only time you look to him and the only time you depend on him is in a crisis. He does not want to be a crisis God. He wants to be your loving heavenly father whom you talk to every day, whom you fellowship with every day, whom you surrender to every day. He is not the God of the crisis. He's the God of every day. And so the second truth is not only can we know God personally and intimately through Jesus, John 17, 3, but God says to us, know that your wisdom and your strength comes from your relationship with God. Boy, I love, um, this is where most Americans live. Whether they have it or not, this is where most Americans live. They glory in their wisdom. Let not the wise man, well, I'm pretty smart. I mean, I've got pretty good understanding. There's nothing wonderful about being stupid. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, he says, now, don't you glory in your own wisdom. It's very limited. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Don't let the mighty man glory in his might. I'll tell you, I'm pretty strong. I used to be weak, but I've overcome a lot of things. And I'm not the person I used to be. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm pretty strong. I can handle things that come into my life. I I can do that. He said, listen, don't glory in your wisdom. I want you to be wise. He said, now don't glory in your own might or strength. And he said, don't let the rich man glory in his riches. You say, no trouble, Brother Fred, I sure ain't rich. (laughs) That's one thing I ain't got to worry about. I'm living one day at a time. That's where you're supposed to live. He said, don't you even glory in your bank account. So don't trust in your own wisdom. Don't trust in your own might. And don't trust in your own wealth. But he said this. Trust glory in this. Glory in this. That you understand and know me. That I am the Lord. You know this now. But I'm going to remind you. Your wisdom. If it's any good. Comes from God. And your strength. If you have it. Comes from God. And your possessions. If you have them. All come from the hand of Almighty God. 
not by your own strength. And so what we're to say is, Lord, I need your wisdom. And I need your strength. And I want you to be my provider. I am trusting in you. Folks, listen. If you're a child of God, I want you to understand what I'm going to say to you. If you are trusting in your own wisdom and in your own might and your own riches, if you're trusting in them, God is going to work in your life, whatever he has to do to get you the place that you start trusting in yourself and you start trusting in the living God. People have come to me and said, Brother Fred, I I don't understand it. I have come to the end of myself. And I say, glory to God. (laughs) Glory to God. Now, God has a chance to work in your life. Because I promise you this, if you're trusting in anything other than the Lord Jesus and the living God, God's going to bring you to the end of yourself. He's going to do that. So that you'll trust in his wisdom and in his might and in his wealth. Oh, listen. If you're God's child, God is not going to let you be independent or self-sufficient. He will orchestrate your steps to bring you to the place that you are totally dependent on him. And I want to tell you the safest place in the world is to be dependent on the living God. You know what pleases God when you say, God, I can't, I can't. He said, I never said you could. But now, Lord, you can. And he said, I would. Truth number one. You can know God personally through Jesus Christ. This is eternal life. That they might know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you're sent. Secondly, you can know that your wisdom and your strength, your power and your might does not come from within yourself, but it comes from God who has given you Anything you are or have is a gift from Almighty God. And so you learn to trust. This is knowing God. You get up on day 267, and you're not trusting in your own wisdom. You're not trusting in your own might. You're not trusting in your own riches. You're trusting in the living God. All right, so here's the third verse. And I like this. Psalm 4610. Be still. And know that I am God. See, it's all about knowing God. The way to be prepared for life's surprises, the way to be prepared for the unexpected and unplanned is to know God, to know him as your father, to know him as your wisdom and your strength and your power. That's the only way to be prepared, folks. And then he says to us, listen, every day in 2012, would you just be still and know that I'm God? And that I'm in control. Would you just do that? And and I, I love that. But you know, why is it so hard for us to be still? Why is it so hard? Have you ever thought about the fact that our lives are so rushed? Our lives are so cluttered. Our lives are so busy that if you're not careful, you'll rush through life. And you'll never get to know God the way God wants you to know him. The enemy of knowing God is busyness, hurriedness, clutter, things that are not bad in themselves. But they take precedence over just knowing him and letting him be your life so that you're ready to live every day. I want to ask you a question. Do you have trouble being still and knowing God? Now, it's a planned stillness. You get still to know God. 
Oh, I don't have any trouble being still, Brother Fred. You just give me an easy chair and the, what's that thing? The flipper, the remote control. You give me an easy chair and the remote control and some Tostitos and some dip. I can be still. I did that last night and I enjoyed it. I don't have any trouble being still, Brother Fred. I can get on the computer, or I can play video games, or I can talk on the cell phone. I can text. Listen, I don't have any trouble being still. Yeah, but you're being still for the wrong reason. Be still and know that I am God. It's a planned stillness. It's to know God. What's it going to take for you to get still? Will it be a troubled marriage? Before you get still and say, God, I got to, I got to know you. What will it take for you to be still? Will it be a dreaded disease? What will it take for you to be still? Will it be a wayward child? What will it take for you to be still? Will it be a financial crisis? So you just say, God, I, I got to be, I got to know you. Now, God's not a crisis God. He's the God of every day, but he is there in a crisis. And so I'm just simply saying, he says, be still. Take time to get to know me. I want to give you a verse. If you want to turn, I want you to see this. This is what it means to to know God, to be still and know God. One of my favorite chapters. I I just love this. Psalm 63. Why don't you turn over there and underline it. Getting ready for day 267 in 2012, whatever it is. You're going to be still to get to know God so that you'll be ready. And here it is in verse 1. See, you're going to seek God, what you're going to do. You can say, well, I'm going to seek God when I'm in trouble. No, no. Seek God before you're in trouble. Listen to what it says. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for me every day. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. I want to know you, Lord. My soul thirsts for you. Wow. Isn't that good? I'm not thirsting for success or wealth or popularity. My soul's thirsty for you, God. I want to know you, Jesus. Oh, God, you're my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Woo. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And then he said, I'm looking for you, Lord. Listen to what he says. Verse 2 of Psalm 63, I looked for you in the sanctuary. I went to the house of God, and I went looking for you, Lord. I went looking for you. I went to the sanctuary, and I looked for your power and your glory. Then he said, you know, at night, Lord, look at verse 6. I remember you on my bed. I meditate on you in the night watches. When you're laying there in bed... What a wonderful thing is to turn your thoughts toward God, toward Jesus, toward his love, his grace, his sufficiency, his presence. He said, Lord, I meditate on you in the night watches because you've been my help in the shadow of your wings. I I will rejoice. And then he said in verse 8, this is what I talk about knowing God. My soul follows close behind you. He said, I'm following close behind you, Lord. I'm not a distant disciple. My soul follows close behind you, O God. 
Your right hand upholds me. I'm telling you, you've got to know God. And if you seek him, you will know him. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Let me tell you the second thing that's involved in being still and knowing God. It's to seek him. Isaiah, uh, Psalm 63. But now this is, this is very, very important, how you get to know God. You know how you get to know him? You, re, you meditate on and you reflect on. And I'll use the word study, but that's too sterile, but I'll use it anyway. You study the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Because you really know if you want to know the heart of God. Now hear me. Please hear me. If you really want to know the heart of God, listen to Jesus as he speaks. Observe Jesus as he deals with people. And you'll say, that's God. Because let me give you two verses. I want you to listen to this. John 1, 18, Jesus said, John said, no man has seen God at any time. Get this, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father He has declared him. God, what are you like? He said, look at Jesus. Look at him. Listen to what he said. Watch what he did. Get to know all about him. Oh, listen, man, you just get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you get over in Acts and see all that Jesus was doing in his church. Let me tell you something. Man, to reflect on, to meditate on, and to get to know Jesus as he is revealed in the New Testament. You know how you get to know God? Just get to know Jesus. And the way you do that is you cry out to him, but you just get in the Gospels and in the New Testament and watch him. I love to watch him. Oh, I love to watch him. I just love to listen to him. A couple of my favorites. Well, I'll just give you one of them, but this is my favorite. You know, Peter was brash Bold and overconfident. He was arrogant. Lord, I'll tell you one thing. This crowd, these disciples, they'll deny you, but I'll never deny you. You ever heard, remember Peter saying that? Well, he did three times. He cursed and said he didn't even know him. Well, Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to tell you about your heart. You don't know it. He said, you are going to deny me, and you're going to do it three times before the rooster crows. Well, he did. And the Bible says he was filled with remorse. He was a broken man. And he basically had lost hope. Well, then Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared himself, appeared to the ladies, to the women at the tomb. And this is what he told them. Now, you want to know the heart of God? The mercy of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. Here is a man that had denied Jesus three times. This is a man that has swore and said, I don't know him. Jesus said to the women, you go tell the disciples, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. Wait a minute, Lord, time out. Peter is a disciple. Why did you single him out? Go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. He said, oh, don't you know why? Because Peter's broken. He's full of remorse. He's lost hope. 
Because he denied me. And when the ladies go and tell them, the disciples, that I'm alive, Peter will say, that's fine for y'all. But it won't work for me because I cursed him and said I didn't know him. That's the heart of God. Oh, that's the heart of God. God's mercy, God's grace. The devil says to you, you've crossed the line. You've gone too far. You don't have any hope. And Jesus says, you go tell the disciples and John, or go tell the disciples and Fred, or go tell the disciples and Sue, just go tell them that I'm alive. And their name is written on my heart. That's the heart of God, y'all. The father rejoiced when the wayward son came home. He didn't condemn him. The son was already condemned. But when he came home, the father ran to meet him and fell on his neck and kissed him. I said, my God, what a picture of the heart of God. Jesus, you want to get to know God? Seek him. But get in there and study the life of Jesus. Listen to everything he said. Watch everything he did. And Jesus said, he that has seen me, John 14, 6, he that has seen me has seen the living God. You know, here's the last thing. If you want to get to know God, you get to know him personally through Jesus Christ. This is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Repentance of sin, faith in you. You get to know God as you say, I can't trust in my own wisdom, my own righteousness, my own strength, but I'm going to trust in the fact that I know and understand, understand and know God, and he's active in the earth. And I'm going to get to know God because I'm going to seek him. I'm going to seek him with my whole heart. And then I'm going to get to know him through Jesus. I'm going to study him. But let me just close with this and tell you that he's been so helpful to me. Because I don't want to know about God. That won't do it when I get in a crisis. Knowing about him, well, uh -uh, I ain't going to hack it. I mean, I got to know him. I got to know him personally and intimately. And he's got to be my wisdom. It ain't going to work. I want you to get to know his nature. And, and you see this in Jesus. But this is just another, just a little layer on it. You get to know him in Jesus. Jesus what Jesus taught with you. But, but have you ever noticed how God reveals his nature? And he reveals his character? And he reveals his attributes by his names? Have you ever known that? Noticed that? Over and over again, he would say, I'm Jehovah, for example, I am Jehovah Shalom. You know what Jehovah Shalom means? God is my what? He's my peace. Lord, I need peace. He said, I'm Jehovah Shalom. I I love the one where they were on the way up on the mountain, him and Isaac to offer a sacrifice. And Isaac noticed there was no lamb to offer as a sacrifice. And he asked his daddy, he said, Abraham, where, where, where is the lamb? And then, you, you know what Abraham said? He used one of the names of God. He said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Do you realize whatever your need is today? He's Jehovah Shalom. He's your peace. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who provides. And then you go on and there's another name that, by which God revealed himself. 
Jehovah Sid Canoe starts with a T and has an S. But you know what that is? See, we don't have any righteousness of our own. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. <laughs> but Jehovah Sid Canoe means the Lord, my righteousness. God is my righteousness. I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Man, I can face anything. And then you go on and Jehovah Shalom and Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Sid Canoe. And then you get over there, Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner, which means the Lord fights for me. Wow. Boy, we're in a battle. But he's Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. He lifts up a banner over me. The Lord fights for me. And then you say, but Brother Fred, I'm just one person. Does he really care for me? Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, you get to know him when you get to know Jesus and he forgives your sin and reconciles you to God. You get to know him when you stop trusting in your own wisdom, might, or wealth. And you understand and know that he is God. And he's your wisdom. And he's your might. And, he's your, and you get to know him when you seek him. You get, you get still. And you seek God with your whole heart. And you get to know him as you just reflect on Jesus and all that he was. Knowing that as you see Jesus, you see the heart of the Father. But then, I tell you, you get to know him when you just remember his names and I just named a few of them and by his names he's just saying to you and me this is who I am and this is who I am for you life is full of surprises the unexpected and unplanned but I'm going to tell you something if you know God you can deal with life's surprises if you know God, you can deal with the unexpected and unplanned. Because, see, your wisdom and your strength comes from God. You know Him. You say, Brother Fred, what's going to be your passion in 2012? Same thing it was last year, but I'm going to raise it to another level. And that is to know God. Well, wait a minute. You're 74 years old. You've been preaching for 55 years. That has nothing to do with it. I've got to live 2012, God willing and God's mercy. So, buddy, I need to know God better in 2012 than I did in 2011. Amen? And you do too. You do too. I've arrived. No, you haven't arrived. No, you haven't. There's much more to the living God you can know than you know right now. The Bible speaks of the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Oh, that we might know him. And then we can live 2012. With confident assurance. I have confident assurance. Because I know him. I'm going to get to know him better. And you can have confident assurance. Because you know him. And you're going to get to know him better.